Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to the Pursue God podcast. I'm Pastor Brian, joined by Pastor Ross Anderson. Ross, today we are in week number seven of our series that we're calling The Pursuit. And we're going to get really, really practical today because we're going to focus in on water baptism. We're going to talk about getting baptized. But before we get into these five main things in Scripture that we want to say around it biblically, we should probably connect it into last week's topic because it's important for people who are listening to this to understand why you should get baptized. We're going to get into all this, but it's it's really all, it's coming after this pivotal topic. Last week we talked about responding in faith to Jesus. And when you look at the Bible, when you open the Bible, anytime someone in the New Testament responded in faith to Jesus, in other words, became a Christian or got saved or got born again or all the different things, different ways you can name it, they... Is it true that every single time they got baptized, they got baptized in water? Yeah, with one ex- with one interesting exception that we'll talk about. But um, but typically, it's the norm. It's definitely the norm. Yeah, the New Testament really doesn't portray unbaptized Christians. It, it's such a norm, and it actually it's a it pivots us really into the next this next segment of the pursuit because we're we're talking about we start by trusting Jesus, mm-hmm. and that's the culmination of last week's. Um, topic about what it means to trust in Jesus literally and exercise faith and repentance. And and now, you know, as we pivot into the next part of the pursue God circle, we're talking about, well, then once we've trusted in Jesus, then we live to honor God. And baptism is really a great link between those two because it directly connects those two things. It's a expression of our it's an outward expression of trusting in Jesus, but it's also an act of of obedience by which we honor God. Yeah, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. So what we talked about last week about getting to your defining moment of faith when you trust Jesus for salvation, maybe some people literally did that last week, which is great. Mm, And this is why we we wanted to make sure to talk about this. In fact, this is a sort of an update to the pursuit. Our previous versions of the pursuit didn't include an entire lesson on baptism, and we felt like in retrospect, we felt like that was a that was maybe wrong of us. You know, we, we it was kind of a a little bit of a miss on our part, mm-hmm. and so we're we're correcting that now by dedicating an entire lesson to getting baptized. And I want to make sure people hear this: if you've trusted in Jesus for salvation, if you've responded in faith, we want you to get back. If you've never been baptized, you right. should get baptized. That's right. kind of the outcome for today's topic: right. is that you hopefully you're convinced by the time we're done that you should get baptized. Right, that's a great a great point. It's a great application, you know. But baptism means a lot of different things in different religious systems, and so that's why we wanted to take some time today to really clarify what the biblical perspective is, because you know, uh, baptism in you know Jehovah's Witnesses or the LDS Church or the Roman Catholic Church, even whatever. There's different nuances, or sometimes way more than nuances of difference between. Um, those views of baptism and what the what the New Testament teaches and how it portrays it and how we practice it, and so it's really important to have an opportunity to maybe parse some of that out and make it really clear to our listeners why this is an important act. That if you have crossed the line of faith, then then baptism is the logical, obvious next step. And if you haven't, then you shouldn't be baptized. On the other hand, right. 
Okay, so let's that that's a good intro to the to the first thing we need to say about it. We need to make this really clear. We're going to refer back to that circle, the full circle image. The first thing people need to understand according to the Bible is that baptism doesn't save anyone. So when you think about the the circle, right, and the three arrows that you, we start by trusting Jesus, we live to honor God is the second arrow, which is what we're starting today. And then the third arrow, which we'll get into in a later lesson, is that we make disciples. This the baptism topic falls in the second arrow. Mm-hmm. It doesn't fall in the first right. arrow. In Same other word. words, it's not it's not necessary for your salvation to be baptized, even though, as we've noted, everyone who was saved, with one exception, everyone who was saved in the New Testament got baptized in water pretty pretty much immediately. Mm-hmm. And so we see this pattern, but it's so important to understand because there are some churches who teach otherwise. Baptism is not an act that saves you because it would contradict everything we said in the last couple of lessons. Right, exactly. It's been so clear. The Bible is so clear. The New Testament is so clear that that we're made right with God um, one way only by trusting in Jesus. And so, so so we're saying baptism is not part of a checklist that we have to check these boxes in order to be right with God. And it's not. We, we've emphasized, you know, this, this response of faith and trust to Jesus. It's not then trusting Jesus then plus baptism. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, baptism is important. It's normative, but it's it's the effect, not the cause. It's a result. It, baptism is for someone who already has trusted in Jesus. Baptism doesn't make you right with God. Baptism is something that expresses. The, the decision of the person who has been made right with God. And that's why we're saying to people who have maybe coming out of last week's lesson, or maybe maybe people who have responded in faith years and years and years and years ago. My dad, I remember my dad res- became a Christian when I was younger, and but he never got rebaptized. We're going to talk a little mm-hmm. bit about that later on. He never got rebaptized because he was baptized as an infant in the Catholic Church. And it wasn't until years later listening to a podcast like this or a sermon like this topic where he was convicted that I should get baptized. And that really is our goal, Ross, is we want people listening, and I'm talking to you, Christian, if you know you have trusted Jesus for salvation, but you just haven't gotten around to baptism yet, right. we, we hope we can change your mind because it's biblical. But we want to make sure that you understand this. We're not saying that you're not saved you're saved by placing your faith in Jesus. Remember Romans 3.22, we're made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ, and the punctuation there is important. It says, period. Yeah. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. Okay, so we're saved by... We're not going back on that. We're saved right. by grace through faith, period. Now, okay, now I'm a new creation. What does God want me to do? Well, here's the first right. thing. He wants you to get baptized. Get baptized. Right. And so, and this is the exception that I mentioned earlier. You have the person who was uh, not baptized after coming to faith in Christ is the thief on the cross. Mm. And so there he's hanging with hanging on the cross with Jesus. There's the two thieves. One of them, you know, is mocking Jesus. The other one, he's a criminal. You know, he's there on the cross for a reason. Only Jesus was there innocent. That this this thief on the cross was a criminal. He admitted it. He said, "Look, I know I'm a criminal. I belong here," and um, and so he turns to Jesus with that recognition and and says, "Look, I know you're you're innocent." He says, um, "Remember me when you come into your kingdom." Mm-hmm. And Jesus says, "Today you'll be with me in paradise." So he didn't say 
darn. Too if, bad. If only you had been baptized before right. you were arrested and, and hung on the cross, then I could give you assurance. No, he says today. And that, so that guy never had opportunity to go get baptized or do any act yeah. of um, worthiness. Yeah. And yet he has this assurance from Jesus that he'll be in Jesus' presence before the day is over. Yeah, that's good. Okay, so if baptism doesn't save us, why should we get baptized? And my number one reason, it's the easiest, it's the, it kind of reminds me of my dad. The only reason that I need is because Jesus commanded it. I mean, that's all I need. It, Jesus says in Matthew 28, 19, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So Jesus told his disciples to go make disciples and then baptize them. That's, that's, that's all I, that's the only, we're going to give more reasons, but that's right. the only reason I really need is just out of obedience. So in other words, another way to say it is baptism is the first act of practical obedience in the faith. When you've trusted in Jesus for salvation and kind of like last week's topic where, you know, the Peter's first sermon and the people said, what should we do? What should we, what? he said, mm-hmm. Rep- repent, right? Right. Believe and repent. He says, is that where he says, repent and be baptized? Yeah, and then right? he says, go be baptized. Go yeah. be baptized. So it to me, it's it's this, it's the such a practical, uh, it, in fact, it's probably one of the easiest things you'll do, ever do in your Christian mm-hmm. walk. There are other things that are harder acts of obedience than baptism. Baptism isn't that hard. Yeah. And But you should do it yeah. because Jesus said to do it. Right. And so, you know, so that's why, really, again, it's normative, we said in the New Testament, but also because of this, it's been normative for 2,000 years of church history. You know, wherever the church is found, it is practicing baptism. Uh, because why? Because Jesus said, said to do it. Now, I know that there's a lot of reasons why people might hesitate with baptism. And we get it, we'll have an opportunity to unfold some of that as we talk today. But um, ultimately, one, and maybe it's partly because people don't really understand what it is, what its meaning and significance is. Again, we'll have a chance to talk about that today. But if, if you understand what baptism is and, you're, and, and you aren't willing to do it, I don't understand that. I just I don't get that mm-hmm. because it is such... Jesus said to do it, and, and it's so doable um, that I, I don't understand what's going on in the heart of the person who says, well, no, I'm just not going to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to me, it shows you... Maybe it demonstrates that you're not you're not ready to make him lord of your life if you if you're not willing to obey this pra, this first practical act of obedience you know the first and maybe the simplest then what what other stuff are you not willing to give to god so right. i do think it's pretty serious and i you know i used to be a little bit maybe sheepish about this but i'm not anymore i yeah. say look jesus says to do it we're going to do it kind of like giving i know you you're like me ross you you hate to drum up giving and talk about giving, but the older I get and the more seasoned I am in ministry, the more I want to tell people to do it. I'm unafraid, unashamed to tell people to give because I know giving is, number one, it's it's good for people, yeah. and which is good. So I want the, I want the best for them, but, but more importantly, Jesus said to, so you should do it. Same thing with baptism. Jesus right. said it, you should do it. In fact, there's this, a great example of this in Acts chapter 8 where, where, um, who was it? Philip. Philip, yeah. Philip mm-hmm. had shared the gospel with the, the Ethiopian eunuch, and the guy comes to faith, and then it's he said it says as as they wrote along, Acts eight thirty six, 
They came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? Right. And to me, that makes it pretty obvious then that Philip must have connected coming to faith in Christ to baptism, because otherwise, how would the eunuch have known to ask the right, question? To make that, and, and it's interesting, too. So the understanding was there, but so the motivation is there, too. So it's not like Philip's going like, dude, you, you need to get baptized. Come on, now's your chance. You need to get baptized. No, he's going like, whoa, look, there's water. What's holding me back? You know. So the motivation was, was different than sometimes we see. Well, and what I love is the attitude. It's the it's baptism is kind of like the first fruit of repentance. Repentance is an attitude. It's a posture of your heart and your mind. It's saying, I want to go God's way, not my way anymore. And I, I love it when I, I remember leading one friend to, to faith years ago, and he he said, you know, he trusted in Jesus for salvation. He's like, no, okay, now what? What, so what does God want? You know, he's ready to move on to the second arrow. I want to honor God with my mm-hmm. life. But he didn't know the Bible. Right. He didn't understand Scripture. And so he said, what, what do I do now? And I said, well, we'll talk about that next week. And when we came back for the next week, we talked about two main things. One was water baptism, mm-hmm. and that was the easier one of the <laughs> two. Yeah. The other one is he was sleeping with his girlfriend. Okay. And I yeah. said, hey, I hate, and I was really like hesitant to even bring it up because I didn't want to scare the guy away. <laughs> but I did. I said, look, there's one other thing. And, and he could tell I was nervous. He's like, just tell me, Brian. I'm all in. Yeah. That was his attitude. I'm all in. And I said, well, he, you're not supposed to sleep with your, like, sex is something that God wants for marriage. And you guys aren't married. So you should, you should wait until you're married. He said, all right, I'll do it. I'm in. Mm-hmm. Which was, again, to me, it's like the eunuch here no pun intended, the, the eunuch would have had the same response to both of those things, right? right. He's like, I'm all in. That, that really is a good example, actually, to be a eunuch for Jesus. Like, I am yeah. all in. If you don't know what a eunuch is, Google it, and you'll yeah. see why this is yeah. funny. And I think sometimes one of the things, one of the obstacles I've seen in people is um, maybe, their, maybe their family is not Christian, or there are people in their life who... Um, who would respond negatively to their faith decision, so they're kind of going in stealth mode, stealth Christian, you know? And so baptism, they're going to out themselves, in a way. Hmm. And, um, you know, that, that's not a, really a good enough reason, ultimately. We said, like, giving is good for you. Well, taking a stand and identifying publicly with Jesus, we'll talk about that in a moment, that's good for you, too. And so, you know, to, to, to take the stand to say, okay, I'm going to... I'm not going to be ashamed of my relationship with Jesus and what he's done and doing in my life. And so baptism is a way to say, yeah, I'm going to take a stand. I'm going to be up front and out and out on this mm. on this matter. That's good. Well, yeah, let's talk about that's the fourth thing is that through baptism we identify with two things. And let's spend a little time on this one, Ross. We first of all, we identify with Christ. The symbol of baptism in in our church and most churches we do we do full immersion. So, right, you get immersed in the water, which is a symbol of going down with Christ into the grave, mm-hmm. and then coming out of the water is a symbol of, of being born to our new life. Again, it's a symbol. It's not like when you come up out of the water, all of a sudden you're saved, right? Right, exactly. You were saved the moment you placed your faith in Jesus, but that symbol of baptism is important. So you're identifying first with Christ, and then secondly, you're identifying with his church. You're publicly associating with the body of Christ. Romans 6, 3 says, Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ in baptism, we joined him in his death? Okay, so when I look at that, Romans 6, 3, 
he's using the word we. So he's saying right. we're so we're we are joined mm-hmm. together and we're joined with Christ. Right. So it's like twofold. Right. So yeah, the there's the two things go hand in hand. So his emphasis here, we're joined with Christ in his death. So Jesus dies on the cross. We weren't there personally, historically. We were not born yet. And um, but but when we come to faith in him, then we identify with that death and we're wrapped up in it. We're included in it. And that's pictured in baptism. So because baptism, you go under the water, it's like it's like being buried. You know, and then in, and when you come back out of the water, it's like rising to a new life. That's the symbolism of it. So we're joined with him in resurrection too, as we'll see in a moment. But but like you said, okay, if I'm joined to Jesus and you're joined to Jesus, then we're joined to each other. You know, if uh, you know, my kids are adopted. So we adopted a, a child into our family. They are now our my son. Mm-hmm. Three years later, we adopted a girl into our family, a daughter. Okay, well, they're siblings now. They're, it's not like like you have a relationship with me independent of the relationship this other person has. They're, they're siblings now, mm-hmm. and that's the way it is in our relationship with Christ. So, so we're joined to each other. Now, not every Christian likes to hear that because you know it's sometimes challenging to live in unity in the body of mm-hmm. Christ. But baptism is a picture of both of those realities that it says... It says publicly, I belong to Jesus, and it says publicly, I'm now part of part of these pe- this people, this group. Okay, so let's take a let's take a minute here and pause before we wrap up with one more important statement about baptism, because I think there are some burning questions that people might have about baptism. One of them is connected to this, Ross. What would you say to the person who was baptized in another church? Right? So should they get baptized in the next church that they're going to? Yeah. Well, that depends a lot on the nature of that church. Okay. Right. So so let's say, okay, so when I'm baptized, I'm not identifying with a particular human institutional. I'm not identifying with a denomination. I'm not identifying with a particular congregation. I'm not saying biblically baptism is not saying, oh, now I'm a member of this church. Mm-hmm. Now some churches who have membership require baptism. That that's that's because they want to make sure that their members are obedient and they're are that are really know Jesus and so forth. But when they're when when you're baptized, you're baptized into this larger body of Christ, this this people of God that extends back two thousand years and goes all around the globe. And that's what we become part of, or we identify with. We're part of that at, at faith, but we identify with that in baptism. So it's not like Oh, if you were baptized, you know, at Alpine Church where we serve, that you're suddenly now a member of Alpine Church. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it's much, much bigger than that. You're a member. So everybody who every church that's part of that larger body of Christ really um, typically will recognize each other's baptisms. And so if you were baptized at First Baptist Church down the street or whatever, any other Bible-believing, Jesus-honoring church that teaches the same biblical gospel that we do, um, that, that Christians have taught forever, that baptism is valid here. We don't say you got to be baptized by us our way. Okay, so, but some, there's other groups, other ch- churches that have a different gospel, a different understanding of, of truth. Um, maybe you're teaching something that's not biblical, and and they all practice baptism as an initiation rite. So, um, 
I grew up in a church where when you were baptized, you became a member of that church. And it was not a biblical church. And so when I came to faith as a, as a young adult, I felt like I needed to be baptized again because that earlier baptism did not reflect the, my biblical experience with Jesus. It didn't reflect... So it, it, didn't, it didn't symbolize the things that baptism is supposed to symbolize in the New Testament. So I felt like it was important for me to be baptized again in a Christian setting with a Christian meaning. So let's be specific about that, Ross. So, so when you say a church, you grew up in a church that wasn't a Christian church, you're, t- you're saying, and this is the easiest way to understand it in the context of the pursuit, if, if they don't agree with Lesson six and lesson five yeah. about who is Jesus, and lesson four about yep. what is sin. Yep. We're talking about the base. We're not talking about fringe stuff. Right. Whether a church has fringe, you know, I don't know about fringe, but maybe some of the non-essentials. We're not talking about how they do worship or d- distinctive ways to even mm-hmm. some certain theological distinctives. We're talking about the basics, the right. very most that Jesus is who the Bible says he is, right. that salvation is through Jesus alone, that you cannot save yourself, those, right. those, kind, those, those kind of things. things. Things that things that historically Christians throughout all ages and around the whole world have believed, because right. they're rooted in the Bible. That's so, right. So for us in particular, more, when, when someone comes out of Mormonism and comes to, mm-hmm. comes to our church, we really encourage them to be baptized, even though they were baptized in the Mormon church. Right. Because again, the Mormon church fundamentally teaches something very different than what biblical, kind of orthodox biblical Christianity teaches. And not only that, but as a corollary to that, their view of baptism is very different from what uh, the Bi- how the Bible portrays baptism. So their view of baptism would contradict point one that we made today. Right, right. Their view of baptism is something that's on the checklist of things you have to do to, to be right with God. And their view of baptism is that, okay, baptism washes away all of your sins up till that point, but from now on, you are accountable for all your own sins. Mm. Whereas biblically... We said baptism symbolizes how Jesus washed away all of my sins when I put my faith in him, past, present, and future, right. and, and he took the whole weight. Not, it's not like now I have uh, to take all the weight of my sins and, and, and be worthy before God, and, and it's based on me, and I have these, these covenants to keep now that I've, that I've agreed to in baptism. So even the idea of baptism is fundamentally extremely different. Okay, so another example would be Jehovah's Witnesses. There's some other, you know, church churches that are what we would call Christian cults that yeah. that are based on Christianity but are teaching something that's fundamentally different than the difference between Baptists and Methodists. Correct. Right. Yep. But so here's my next question for you, Ross. Then what about someone who was baptized as an infant? So should that person because I'm sure there are some people listening to this saying, I was baptized as an infant, either maybe in the Catholic Church or the Lutheran Church or whatever else, should that person get baptized? How would you answer that? Yeah, I'd say, all right, so first of all, I think talking about the, the Catholic, I'm not an expert on Catholicism, but my understanding of the Catholic Church is that Catholic baptism um, is different from the baptism that we're talking about, that other Protestant churches, right. even that ones that practice infant baptism, like some Presbyterians and Methodists and so forth, because Catholic baptism, again, has, it's a good work, and it's seen as conferring righteousness upon the, you know, um, upon the person, whereas 
say, you know, in, in other pro- in Protestant churches that do infant baptism, it's more saying, this is, as parents, we're baptizing our child to say that they're, they're included in this covenant of grace with right. God, that they're, they're, they're going to be part of the people of God in anticipation of the day when they own it for themselves, when they come to faith personally. And so if that's the, what's being taught about baptism, I don't have that much trouble. I, I do encourage people to be baptized again after they've made a profession of faith, mm-hmm. because then, then you're really enacting the symbolism, what it means. But for a person who was baptized in a, in a church where their parents' intention was to anticipate their future coming to faith, then sometimes that person will say, you know what, I did come to faith, and so I'm looking back on that original baptism, and, and, and it did fulfill that symbolism for me now in retrospect. Mm. So I, I'm okay with that. That's up to their conscience. It's up to their conscience. Yeah, yeah. That, that the individual, maybe if you do go to a covenantal theology-type church, maybe this is a good conversation to have with your pastor and say, I'm not really sure what to do here. I think it's important for them to prayerfully understand what baptism really symbolizes. And if you say, yeah, that, uh, that, that counted for me, yeah, I would, I'm with you, Ross, but, but I, I think there are probably other people who would say, no, I, this is important to me. Right. This was my decision, mm-hmm. and, um, and I want to enact what it means. I want to show the world right. that now that I am identified with Jesus and I'm identified with his people, and, and I want to show the world what he's done. Yeah. yeah, that's what my dad did. Finally, years after coming to faith, he finally was convinced, I think by the Holy Spirit, that he really should, out of obedience, get baptized as an adult, because he was baptized Catholic, as was I. I was ba- baptized okay. Catholic, mm-hmm. but I didn't feel the... I don't. Maybe, I, maybe part of it for my dad was he didn't want to dishonor his parents. You know, he right. didn't. It, maybe it felt like a, a little bit of a jab at his parents, and so for me, that's not how it was. My my parents encouraged me to get baptized because I was baptized as an infant in the Catholic Church, but I didn't grow up in a Catholic Church. Right. So later on, we shortly after that, we we were attending church, and I, I grew up in a Protestant church, and so baptism was just the natural next step for me when I became a Christian. Yeah, it makes sense. So one more question, Ross, and then we're going to get to we're going to wrap this up. So what about the person who was baptized in a Christian church, but they backslid, they fell away, they struggled, they made poor choices, and now they're recommitted, they're back in church and they want to get rebaptized. Is that is God cool with that? Right. I under, I understand the impulse that because you say, "Man, I'm on track. I I just I want to like renew my commitment to Christ and and I've come back to faith and so it seems like the natural thing to do would be to be baptized again as a, a symbolism. I, I don't really I never I don't encourage that. Uh, I probably wouldn't do that baptism myself because there's nothing wrong with their first baptism. You know, their their first baptism symbolized everything that it, it's supposed to and it and it really was, you know, fitting and appropriate and it and it did the job so to speak. And I, th- I tell the person, look, no, no, just go back in your heart and your attitude and own what, own that baptism. Okay, so what if they? Because I have a friend who did this. What if they? What if they press you and they just say, "I this is really important to me. I just, I want to, I want to publicly profess this. I want to, I want people to know this. I know it's not, it's." It's not saying anything about the first Baptist. It's not that that didn't count. I don't think this is going to save me. I just think this is really meaningful, meaningful for me symbolically. Would you would you say, for you as a pastor, would you say that's great? But you'll have to find someone else to do it. 
Yeah, I probably would. I, I could see it. I could see the meaning of it. Like instead, I would try to maybe give another vehicle for that. I'd okay. say, why don't you get up? Why don't you get up and share your testimony? I see. And, and share what what happened. Share your heart. Share your feeling. And that's a way that you can say you're going to take your stand and you're going to proclaim, you know, and, yeah. and be open and 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 exalt Jesus in your life. But I say, you, you know, you know, I don't want to create. I don't want to create an expectation or a precedent for everybody in the church that you know you you had a bad week. <laughs> you know, yeah. and you've kind of slipped away for, a, and then now, now you got to come back and be baptized again because it could create an expectation and it could create a, a misunderstanding, really, about, I think, about baptism as a whole. Yeah, that's good. All right. Let's talk about this last thing. We're going to finally use a big, a big churchy word. Let's, let's talk about a sacrament or, or an ordinance, and we'll talk about the difference between these two things. Baptism is an outward symbol of an inward reality. That's kind of the, a basic Protestant way to understand baptism. It's an outward symbol of an inward reality. It's a symbol of something that happened on the outside, or on, that happened on the inside, but it's a symbol for people to see on the outside. So in a, in a lot of ways, it's kind of like a wedding ring. A wedding ring is a symbol right. of my marriage. It isn't my marriage. Right. I'm married even if I don't have it on. Yep. But it's it's an important symbol, and, and it's good that I wear a wedding ring. I, I laugh that I preaching at our Latino campus, and my translator, our pastor at that campus, was translating this illustration about a wedding room, and I said, you should still wear a wedding ring, and I'm holding it up, and I look to him as he's translating it, and he doesn't wear his wedding ring, <laughs> and it was a really funny moment there for everybody laughed, and he said, it's because my fingers are fat. Anyway, okay. it's a good, yeah. I- wedding rings are a good idea as yeah. a symbol, it and so is lot. baptism. Yeah, but you know what? Um Putting the ring on my hand didn't make me married, and right. that, that's another great analogy about this 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 uh, this metaphor is that just be, being baptized doesn't make you a Christian. But when I am, once I am married, I put this on to signify the reality of that, yeah. and that I'm spoken for. I belong to this person. And yeah. That's what baptism does too. It says I'm spoken for. I belong to this person, and um, and so I'm I'm doing it publicly to show everybody that that reality. Yeah. Okay, Romans 6, 4 says, We died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. I love that. And so, so Ross, talk about, talk about these words, you know, that, that in, the, in a typical, in a church like ours, most Protestant churches, we, we believe in two ordinances, Okay. We believe in the ordinance of baptism, and then we also practice the ordinance of the, of the Lord of communion, right? Mm-hmm. And so these are both really important. They're both centered on Jesus. They're both very much symbolic. What's the difference between an ordinance and a sacrament? Yeah, the, ordin- the word ordinance comes from the word to ordain something, or in other words, to set it up or to establish something. So they're called that because Jesus established them. They both go back to the authority of Jesus. Jesus said, baptize. Jesus said, you know, do this in remembrance of me for mm-hmm. the Lord's Supper. And so we do them based on his obedience to him, because he set them into motion. The, the word sacrament typically has, has referred to a saving act or a saving ordinance. It right. talks about that there's something um, about it that makes it, uh, conveys upon us some kind of right relationship with God. And so, so you know, so we don't use that word, throw that word around, because I don't want to confuse people that, that that's how we go back to point one, you know, baptism doesn't save us. But here's the thing about that is um, 
See, God created us as physical beings, and so, and yet there's aspects of our relationship with Him that aren't necessarily physical. And so he's, he's graciously given us these two ways to act out, to enact in, a, in the physical world in which we live, in the three-dimensional world in which we live, to enact the reality of our relationship with him. And so we have bread and we have, you know, we take the elements of the Lord's Supper to remember what Jesus did and to remember that our sins are forgiven by him. With baptism, we go down into the water, we come up out of the water, because what does forgiveness of sins look like? You know, my sins are forgiven. Okay, you tell me that, and I maybe understand that intellectually, but what does it look like? What does it feel like? We're physical beings. So how do you make that tangible? Baptism helps to make it tangible. What does new life look like? Eventually, death to old life, living new life, eventually that's going to show up in fruit, in how we live and the choice we make and so forth. But initially, at the very beginning, we haven't had fruit yet. We haven't. So what does it look like? Well, this gives us a tangible way to grasp and to connect with the intangible realities of, uh, that are often part of a relationship with God. Okay, so someone's listening to this. We're winding up this episode, and we said at the beginning, look, our goal, I mean, we made no, no, you know, this isn't a secret. Our goal is if you're listening to this and you have trusted Jesus for salvation and you are not baptized, we admonish you, we exhort you, I don't know, this might be a stronger pastoral word. We say, please get baptized. You should be baptized. So a few questions to make sure that you're, you're ready to be baptized. A few que- for someone who hasn't been baptized, number one, question number one, have you trusted Jesus for his al- salvation? If you can say, yes, I did, whether last week, right. yesterday, 20 years ago, yes, I've trusted Jesus for salvation. He saves you. He alone saves you. You recognize you're a sinner. Okay, that's number one. Number two. Because then you're eligible for baptism. Then that's it makes right. sense. Then you've, you've experienced the reality that baptism symbolizes. That's right. right? So that's, that's why that's number one. Yeah, and if you haven't, go back to Lesson 6 yeah. and talk about that again with your mentor, a pastor, a friend. But that's the first thing, right? That's, the, that's really the main prerequisite, right, is you've got to trust Jesus for salvation. When someone comes to us and say, they say, I want to get baptized, and, and I talk to them a little bit about salvation, they don't really know who Jesus is, they don't, they, haven't, they don't understand sin, that they're not ready. They're not ready. They need yeah. to understand baptism differently. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Number two, are you willing to go God's way now? Right? Is this, this is, because that's what this thing is, a first act of going God's way. Right. It's a, it's a way of saying yes to Jesus, to his command, and ultimately, it's not, again, it symbolizes something here too, because it's not just saying yes to this particular command, but it's saying, yes, I acknowledge you as the, the authority, yeah. as the boss of me, so to speak, right? Which, yeah. really, which really then, to me, goes with what we already said about trusting Jesus, because mm-hmm. remember, last, 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 in the last lesson, we said f- saving faith requires two things, the right info and right, the right, right attitude. attitude. So yeah. we're talking about the right attitude. Do you have the yeah. right attitude? In other words, if... Yeah. If you're sitting there saying, well, I'll get baptized, but I won't stop sleeping with my girlfriend. I won't stop cheating on my wife. Right. Right. Then I would say, okay, hold on a second. Let's go back to lesson six. Are you sure you've really trusted Jesus for salvation? Right. Are you sure you have the attitude of repentance? Because it sounds to me like you don't. You don't. You still want to be in charge. Yeah. All right. Here's a third question I encourage you to ask is who needs to be a part of this? Because I know in our church, Ross, we encourage people to schedule it on a Sunday morning. Right. It's not, you don't have to do that. You can go go to a lake or a river and get baptized. That's fine. 
But what we love to do at our church is use this as an opportunity to celebrate new yeah. life, to, to yeah. profess this to the yeah. world. Lots of times people's friends will come on Baptism Sunday when they wouldn't normally come because right. they want to support the they person. They want to support the person. So it is a great invitational event. Um, family, you know, you know, I've seen lots of cases where even the family's not excited about the person's faith decision, but they'll come to be a support, and they'll and that'll give them a window about oh, what is this thing that the person has become involved in, you know, and it kind of I think it kind of helps you know them to trust the, the the person more because they see oh, this is not a weird some kind of weird group or whatever, um, but I think also. The other aspect of that is, this is why I don't really ever, I'm not really ever comfortable baptizing someone completely in private. You know, maybe there's a medical condition or whatever where that, but I I think that it's important for there to be some kind of witness, witnesses there. Because like we said in number four, that it's a, it's a statement of identifying with Jesus. So it's a public thing, identifying with these other people. So some kind of public, it doesn't have to be in front of a big giant crowd. I know some people are, are, um, uncomfortable in front of crowds or or don't want to bring attention or whatever but you know even if you do it out in the lake or in the stream there ought to be some people there family friends um some key people there who can support and bear witness and who can hear that testimony and i would just remind the person who's hesitant to be baptized in public about what an incredible encouragement it is to everybody else who's there mm-hmm. to see wow god is at work God is doing something in somebody's life, you know, and it's going to encourage them in their own uh, pursuit of God. It's going to encourage them in their own opportunities to share the gospel with people in their life that, that know that, hey, this is something that God is up to in the world. So yeah. I would say do it in front of others in some way. Well, and there's someone else that you need to answer that question for, who needs to be there. I, I would say if there's someone who discipled you, um, a, a mentor, a discipler, someone who helped you to come to faith in Jesus. Maybe it's your parents, if you're a young person. Maybe it's your wife or your husband, spouses. I would, we, we, at our church, we don't just say, make sure that they're there. Right. We really encourage them to be the ones doing the baptism. And right. I know not every, not every church does it like this, but we really believe, and this is connected to what we're going to talk about in a few more weeks, but we really believe that everyone should be making disciples and sharing their faith and helping people come to faith in Christ. So if you've led someone to faith in Christ, I think you should be the one to baptize them, or at least be there with the person who's doing the baptism. I think that's really meaningful. Yeah, I think that's the most meaningful thing, to, to have someone who's been deeply engaged in your life spiritually have the opportunity to be engaged in this way as well. That's right. All right. So... Getting to your defining moment of faith is more than the end of your old life. It's the beginning of a new one. And baptism is a first symbol. It's one of the earliest symbols of that new life in Christ. So if you have trusted Jesus for salvation and you have never been baptized, we really encourage you to get baptized. Talk to a pastor, a mentor, a friend, a parent, and get baptized in a solid Bible-believing Christian church. We'll see you next time. Hey, listeners, this is Brian Dwyer reminding you to rate this show on your favorite podcast app. That really does help us when you do that. That way more people can discover this podcast and start listening. And also, don't forget to share the podcast with a friend.